Welcome to the Uncivilized Podcast. My name is Trevor Bohm and I will be your host. Every week or so, I try to get myself a fascinating human on the mic for you, someone who looks at the civilized world just like you do and says no thank you. Someone who wants to break some rules, to lead, and to bring their unique vision into the world. Someone for whom the status quo simply will not do. I hope you enjoy these conversations as much as I do. Please dive in. Hey folks, welcome back to the Uncivilized Podcast. This is Trey Verboom, your host. And if you're new, welcome. If you're old, like me, welcome back. Today, I interview a guy who spent 26 years in the CIA. You read that again, or heard that right. 26 years in the CIA. Uh, I wanted to ask him about who shot Kennedy. I wanted to ask him about 9-11. wanted to ask him about all kinds of fuckery that the civilized world seems to love to play. But instead, we dove into some real topics. We talk about power. We talk about men. We talk about corruption. Uh, We talk about what scares him about the pandemic, what gives him hope about the pandemic. Um, We talk about nation states and and is the world ever going to get along? I love it. Very, very incredible man, incredible speaker, a very intelligent man. Definitely has been there, done that. Talks also a little bit about the mental health challenges that come in communities like this, which I think is a huge, huge conversation piece, especially as we build out the uncivilized mind and provide therapy for more and more people. Man, is this just this just keeps coming up. It feels like the world is finally recognizing in 2021 that humans get traumatized. But that's not the gist of the conversation, although we do get into it. But this is a really great call. Uh, I'm really grateful that Mark came on. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to screw up his name, Mark Polymeropoulos. Again, Mark Polymeropoulos. Enjoy. Mark Perry, Perry Malopoulos. <laughs> <laughs> Mark Polymeropoulos. There you Welcome go. to the Uncivilized Podcast. I'm going to leave that in just so people realize how many times I practice it beforehand. So th- thank you very much for having me. Now I got to tell my stupid story about my last name. Can yeah, I tell please, it? please, please. How, how often has this gotten desperate? All the time. So first of all, I grew up in New Jersey. I grew up playing ice hockey. So on the, on the back of my jersey, like it was like the giant inverted U that they could. It was 14 letters. But but no, so I was I was serving overseas uh, for the CIA. I was the deputy station chief in the Middle East, and of course, a location I can't tell you about, or I'll have to kill you or whatever silly thing. Sure. But um, but the the you know what we have is something called the President's Daily Brief, and that's every morning the President of the United States gets gets a briefing team who comes to the Oval Office or wherever he or she is, and uh, and they provide you know a briefing of all the intelligence uh, uh, you know the key intelligence um, uh, subjects around the world for that day. So. The briefers called me. I was I was in the middle. East. It was in the Middle East. There was a crisis situation. They said, "Hey, we want your take on something." And man, I was freaking pumped. I was jazzed. I was. Oh, this was back in two thousand and six. So you know, I was I was you know a, a manager, but a relatively junior manager. I'm like, man, you know, this is George W. Bush W. is going to get what I have to say, and I come up with this great analysis, and I sit by the secure phone all night waiting for them to get back from the Oval, and finally they call. I'm like, how was it? What did W. have to say? And they're like. Well, we really spent the whole time in the Oval trying to pronounce your last name. <laughs> there you go. That's my story. So, by the way, and anyone, anyone who like, if you ever any of your your you know listeners or or you know or viewers you know see me again, I, I tell this story a lot, so they'll be like, oh, here he goes again. But it's a great story. It's so. a great story, and yeah. So, how does one how does one get into the CIA? Sure. So you actually just, you know, it, well, right now it's, it's actually an online application. It's like, it's, you know, it's literally like CIA.gov and there's a place to apply. It sounds crazy. Everyone's like, okay, so really like, who do I really meet? I'm like, go to the website. No, no, no. Like, <laughs> like there's like recruiters who are, who are kind of secret talent spotters, like the movies, the old days. I'm like, go to the website. Yeah. But, but, but for me, so I graduated from Cornell University in 19, uh, undergrad 91, and grad school 92. And the you know, CIA had someone at the career fair. Hmm. Uh, there actually were so many protests on campus that there was a security guy with an earpiece when I went for my interview, but I just, you know, it was something that I was interested in, um, uh, uh, you know, over the years. And so I went and I, you know, I interviewed and it started a 18 month process of, of wow. background checks and polygraphs and all sorts of miserable crap. And yeah. my, my, all my college fraternity roommates trying everything possible to torpedo my nomination by telling, making up all sorts of stuff. Like I, they went like the security folks are like, 
have you ever seen him like drink a beer? And they're like, nope, not in four years. And I'm yeah. just like, come on. <laughs> Meanwhile, like there's like there's like beer cans all over the fraternity. There's a bong sitting there. Like it's <laughs> right, <terrible>. right. <laughs> so, but no, but it, really it's a it's a it, it was I just I went to the career fair and I and I got an interview. And right now, just because I think people will be interested now too, really you apply online. That's it. Huh. That's fascinating. Yeah. What, for you. What was it about it that the idea of it that grabbed you? Was it a fantasy or did you have a real idea of like, hey, this is probably going to be less sexy than I think it's going to be? Well, you know, so so and I talk about it, uh, you know, a lot in the book, too, on how I got there. Everyone wants to know your journey. And I think everyone's journey. And I'm sure your, your, you know, uh, your, your followers certainly, you know, uh, are, are into this because it's really important. Everyone's got a journey and that journey takes in different directions. But, you know, where did this begin? So I was, you know, I was uh, I was born in Greece. Uh, you know, my dad was Greek. My mom was American. So we went back every summer to the Greek island. So I, I used to spend two, my dad was a college professor back here in the States, but I just spent three months in the Greek island. So we traveled everywhere. So I had that kind of wanderlust. And then when I was 10 years old, my dad was doing a sabbatical in Algeria, a North African oh, country. Wow. Wow. And check this out. This is like crazy shit that, that I, as a parent would never do probably should have my kids are in college. But my mom, when I was 10 years old, put me on an airplane at JFK airport in New York city by myself said, see ya. When you get to Paris, you know, find your flight to Algiers wow. as a 10 year old. Wow. And I make it there. And then my dad and I spend a month driving through the Sahara desert for mm. 2000 miles in an old Volkswagen minibus, mm-hmm. sleeping in oases. And so, and I thought I was Lawrence of Arabia. So, you know, sure. and, I, and I tell that story because ultimately I, I wanted to do something more, you know, I knew I wanted to do national security stuff. I, you know, I was kind of hooked on that. So whether it was going to be the military or the intelligence community, um, or something like that. But yeah, so, so, you know, I probably read a whole bunch of, you know, Tom Clancy novels. Um, but I, but, you know, and, and then ultimately this is what I tell people now I'm 52 years old. Now I retired, I wrote a book, but I have never had another job. Hmm. So I am screwed. So thank God I wrote this book. My whole, <laughs> you know, I, I spent 26 years at CIA. I did, I did work at banana Republic. I spent six months working at the banana Republic in, in, uh, in New Jersey, waiting for my security clearances when I was just out of college, my parents were ready to kick me out of the house. So, your resume must be hilarious to look at. <laughs> Banana Republic, CIA. CIA. That's it. Like, well, Any questions? anything right. else in there that you yeah. got? <laughs> Mark, what was the impetus for you leaving? If I can ask. So, boy, what a what a story! And this has been out in the in the media, you know, uh, uh, quite a bit. So, I retired. In July of 2019, but it was it was based on uh, you know uh, an injury I was re- I received um, it was a traumatic brain injury a TBI and so I know that it's out a lot in the press these days this idea or this concept of Havana syndrome mm-hmm. uh, but I, I took a trip I was I was very senior at the time you know I retired as the equivalent of a four star general at CIA mm-hmm. um, so I, I you know thousands of people under my command but I went to Moscow in December of 2017 on just a routine trip. You know, interestingly, we still do talk to our, our adversaries. And so just like in the Cold War, you know, CIA used to talk to the KGB. Even now, I was going there to talk to, um, the, you know, the Russian security services. And, and frankly, that's, you know, that's not a bad thing because, you know, you want to keep open lines of communication um, always. But but I woke up in the middle of the night with this incredible case of vertigo, tinnitus, which is ringing my ears, splitting migraines. And, and to this day, I have, you know, I have had Splitting, splitting headaches. I've gone and gotten treatment at Walters Reed's Traumatic Brain Injury Center, but but ultimately I had to retire because of that. And that's a whole separate part of my life journey, which I don't really address in the book because I didn't want to interfere with kind of the leadership principles, like why I wrote it. Yeah. Um, but I but I am a huge advocate now for healthcare, mm. um, for for kind of victims of this, and 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 basically the other thing too, which I I really got into is just all you know wellness, mm-hmm. um, something that CIA didn't do a good job of, but actually the special operations and the intelligence community, and I bet you're you know, your, your viewers and, and your listeners are really into this too, because, you know, just the idea of wellness is something that in this kind of crazy type A alpha male world I lived in, yeah. you know, people don't talk about enough, but if you right. take care of yourself, you know what? I mean, if you can extend your career by what, um, uh, a couple of years, 10 years right. or so. Yeah, and definitely. so ultimately I think, uh, uh, wellness is something that, that kind of, that, that, um, that space is something I really believe in now. I didn't always, but I definitely do yeah. now. Amazing. Yeah, I had, a, I don't know if you know the man, uh, Dr. Kirk Parsley was was on a couple episodes ago and he was the doctor for the SEALs. And yeah. essentially now he's a sleep specialist. He said in these communities where you have the type A, like the type A of the type A, because yep. to be in these, that's that's who you have to be. But like, yeah. it's like sleep was was not happening. No. Literally these guys were going out and just not sleeping. So and it's amazing you say this. I love that you brought this up because 
50% of TBI victims develop sleep apnea. So when I was tested at Walter Reed, I, I had severe sleep apnea and, and to the point where the doctors are like, like this, is, this is really serious. I didn't realize what a problem this was. Mm. Um, you know, uh, and, 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 you know, for kind of the population, um, especially again, my old world. And so sure. you know, the really, the, the, the really interesting thing is you get the toughest people on the planet. Now, I'm not saying I was one of them, but I work with you know, the folks in the special operations community. And I, I was in the CIA for 26 years. I spent almost three years in Iraq and Afghanistan. So I've had my fair share of scraps and, and, mm. and dust stuff, but you know, when it comes to taking care of yourself, you know, just there's this weird stigma that we have, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and, but you know what, you know, what wellness is, it's, you know, I mean, you, you got to eat healthy, but it's, it's, it's getting good sleep. It's a lot of meditation. Right. Um, you know, my, one of my favorite things I, you know, I remember going to the U S embassy in Sanaa, Yemen in 2015 before it's closed now. And I go out there and I see on the, I get there, I just arrived from the United States and on the grassy area, there's all these dudes doing yoga. Mm. And I was like, who are these? freaking clowns doing this well yeah. it, was, it was the navy seals it yeah. was the cia officers because they got it even back in 15 and so i've changed my mind totally mm. and i'm kind of behind this because it's just you know it's the idea of, of taking care of your body and i think that that's probably something that that you know you certainly have embraced as well yeah both sides of the coin right it's what yeah. a big part of even just this podcast and my movement is breaking down the stigma yep not just for mental health as in like, Hey guys, you got to go to therapy, which by the way, everybody needs to go to fucking therapy, That's but true. also yeah. like, if you're not sleeping, this is basic. I don't care how tough you are. Yeah. I don't care how strong you are. It, it will break you down. Can I ask you what yeah, the yeah. FBI came from? Sure. So, so the idea behind this is that it was uh, it, what, what it's called these, you know, the uh, directed energy attack. And so, so, you know, we know that our adversaries have developed these kind of weapons. It's happening all over the world. I, you know, I, I, I hate to try to, you know, I don't want to sound like a crazy person, but it's obviously it's been a lot in the media on this, but it's, it's a pretty well-known phenomenon. A lot of my friends and colleagues have been hit by this as well. It's really, it's an unconventional weapon, but it's, it's basically, it's, it's, you know, and, and the Russians have been doing this for years against our embassy in Moscow sending, you know, it, so originally it was kind of collection system. So they're trying to kind of, in essence, suck up data from your, any kind of your cell phones uh, sure. or, or things like that. And, and we believe they kind of turned this into an offensive weapon. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but, but, you know, I, I really, I, I had to retire, you know, and I was, I was at the top of my game, you know, in my late forties, I was, you know, equivalent of a, again, four-star general, right. um, managing thousands of people, you know, and, uh, but it, it knocked me to the point out to the point of, I was, I still have headaches now I'm much better, but wow. splitting headaches, tinnitus, vertigo, I had brain fog. I couldn't drive a loss of my long distance vision. And there's a lot of other of my colleagues, both at CIA and the U S military who have been affected by this too. And there's a That's lot out in the media and. Um, and you know, that's just and, not talked about, huh? Or well, it's not you know, talked it's, about. It's yeah. not even. It's not talked about as openly as if someone shot you right. at age forty-eight in your position. Like, great, we took him out. Yeah. But that I imagine would lead to an international incident. Well, you know, there's so so, and one of the things again talking about wellness, um, there's something at Walter Reed that that's called art therapy. It's, got, it's actually it's, it, and and so people have have you know it started back in 2015. There's a front page cover in National Geographic of a U.S. Marine who created a mask as a way to express himself after getting a traumatic brain injury. But one of my colleagues actually painted this incredible picture. Um, and it's, it's, black, it's a black canvas. It's huge. It's a black canvas with just this red splotch of paint. And he called it the gunshot. And what he meant by this is that he wished, and, and I feel the same way, you wish you were shot. You wish you had something kind of, you know, uh, uh, to, to show people. And I'll tell you, when I went through the TBI program at Walter Reed, I went through with a whole bunch of Navy SEALs and some Air Force uh, Special Operations command operators, you know, the combat controllers, uh, and two decades of war have broken a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, these are tough son of bitches, sure. you know, and, it's and, but you know what, but they, they need, they need help now. And yeah. the most interesting part, you know, there's a pharmaceutical option. Everyone wants to give you drugs. Sure. And that can work sometimes. Hasn't worked for me. Sure. What's worked for me is, is meditating every day. It's, yep. um, eating right. It's sleeping yep. right. Um, it's extraordinary. And, 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 and one of the great things just, you know, is, 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 you know, I, I, by the way, I drive the docks at Walter Reed crazy. I love lifting weights. Um, and I'm going to sound like an idiot when I say this now, cause I put it on my Twitter feed all the time. So like when I was back, when I was in Afghanistan as a base chief, I ran a paramilitary base for a year, um, 2011 to 2012, I was benching 355 pounds. I was 200, I was 220. I was in the best shape of my life. Um, that's my goal right now to get back to, to Benson 350. And so I put up 320, was it 325 the other day? And my son's coming home from college this weekend. I'm like, let's go. Now, of course, the docs at Walter Reed is like, don't do this. <laughs> this is not good 
you know what, but for my mental health, it really is. Because yeah. even if I have this damn headache, I want to know that I can still, you know, accomplish some things. And so yeah. it's important to have those goals. Good for you for mentioning that. Again, this is the, the shadow side of all of this work is that at the end of the day, there's a human on it. Yep. Right. And that human is going to absorb the trauma, is going to absorb the distress, is going to absorb everything. And then we just kind of, it feels like pop them back out in society and be like, cool, go get a job. Go, yeah. go, go, go have a great marriage. Right. Uh, right. By the way, here's some pills and a bottle of vodka if you get in trouble. And then we're shocked by the reaction to it. So I, I appreciate your candid, no, thanks. your candor and, and openness yeah. on this. It's, I believe the shift is starting to happen because we've been at war for so long. Like right. psychedelics are now a little bit more popular. Yes, PTSD is now something that the, the lay person understands what that means or PTS. Uh, it's, it's a big deal. A number of the guys in my group have worked specifically with PTS specialists. Yep. And it's, it is stuff like it is basics. It's right. art therapy. It's, I don't know if you read the book, uh, the body keeps the score. I have not. It's a fantastic book about oh, trauma. Good. And right. one of the points, it's a, a famous, uh, it's world famous book, but he's saying, we need to get back to like salsa dancing, right. yoga, yep. meditation, not, yeah. not, and I get, there is a place and a time for heavy pharmaceuticals. My background is traditional Chinese medicine. So I like, right. eh, why don't we leave that for the cases where we've tried all this other stuff first? So, you know, I, I've gone through a whole bunch of uh, acupuncture treatments and the one that I found really interesting and it's done again. This is Walter Reed is a Navy hospital. Mm-hmm. Guess what Walter Reed tells me? Hey, you want to take those gummy bears, medical marijuana stuff? Go for it. Mm-hmm. And you know what? We're experimenting with psychedelics. U.S. Yep. military is for, yep. for PTSD. Yep. Um, and I, there's a specialist there. And this guy's amazing. Um, and he has done combat, what he calls uh, uh, combat acupuncture, like in an MRAP in Iraq. No and kidding. Acupuncture treatments are, 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 you know, are pretty revolutionary. And so, mm-hmm. you know, when you suffer from something, um, you know what you do? You, you try a lot of, a lot of stuff. You give a fuck. And, and, yeah. and I get P I get, you know, DMS all the time and, and emails. So I'm like, Hey, try this thing. And I'm not an asshole. I don't, I don't like, I'm like, no, I'll look it up. I'll research it a little bit. Sure. Sure. Because sure. what do you want to do again? So here I am 52 years old, you know, a 50 year old male. I've had this crazy career. Yeah. I was the biggest badass of all time. I'm not anymore. I'm kind of beat up a little bit. Um, I want to get better. I don't care how. Yeah. You know, and so you just, you know, and, and, and try and kind of some of that, 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 you know, uh, and I wouldn't even call it alternative medicine anymore. Sure. 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 You yeah. Know? Thank you. It's yeah. accepted. I'm te- Walter Reed, U S Navy saying, you know, we might start giving people psychedelics. Like that's right. cool to me. That's I like that. Great, like, because it's, kind of, yeah, yeah. It's result oriented. Yeah. Mark, what has been your, if you, if you wouldn't mind sharing sure. the challenge of the transition yep. from a world that must be from the moment you wake up to the moment you go to bed, one, the highest level of importance of information, and I may be projecting a bit here, and intensity to uh, how, what does a guy like you do now? What's my day look like exactly? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, are you no, you're right. out of so, your fucking so mind? Are you? I, I, no, I love this question. And people ask me this all the time. And interestingly, in the, the, the transition that I decided was to write my book, which was totally therapeutic. Um, there's no doubt that that so, you know, w- when I was a senior officer in the CIA, and especially because I was always the one raising my hand saying, send me. So every crazy covert action program we ran in the Middle East, Iraq, Afghanistan, also, I was always there. Like my kids are like, dad's gone. Mm-hmm. I would come home sometime. And, and my wife, who's the most understanding person on the planet, I'd be like, hey, I got to go away. She's like, how long? I said, I might be back in six months. And she's like, all right. I mean, it's, it's this is our, wow. our bizarre life. Right. But ultimately, so I needed to find something that would kind of keep my head in the game a little bit. And so so I wrote this book. Obviously, I'm, I'll promote it a little bit here. You know, please, so, please, please, please. Clarity in Crisis, Leadership Lessons from the CIA. But I wanted to take what I learned because ultimately when I when I left uh, uh, government service, I'd gotten really good at leading in high stress, you know, high pressure situations. And so I, I came up with kind of nine simple, um, you know, principles that I really adhere to that allowed me to make these decisions that allowed me, you know, in times of ambiguity to have that happy place, which is kind of cool. You're like, hey, everything's gone to shit, but I feel great. I, I'm good. Right. Everyone's nervous. Um, but in writing that over several months, it was, it was that's when I retired. So I'm like, I got something to do. Okay. And and so I, I and the way I did it, because because I didn't have the bandwidth because my headaches. But so I, I for about two hours every morning, I get up, have a cup of coffee. And the docs were like, you're only allowed to have two cups of coffee a day. So I cherish that. That's my two cups. <laughs> One more, no caffeine. Um, and then and they'd be like, and by the way, you can't drink anymore with TBI. I'm like, 
what about like Mick, like Mick Ultra? It's like drinking water. And so I, I, so I would always be like lobbying them back and forth. Um, and then they came up with a thing like you can only drink clear alcohol. And I was like, eh, all right. And, yeah. and then they're like, no, don't do that. But anyway, so it's, it's totally an aside. So, but, but ultimately, I, I would do this for two or three hours every day, and I found it really therapeutic. And so I didn't miss the action at much, as much. But, but let me tell you a, a great story on this, because I was a base chief in Afghanistan, um, again, 2011 or 2012. So that's in my 40s. You know, I remember taking helicopter flights or going out on patrol with the boys. And I'm the boss. So, you know, and so, and so I'm, I'm, there's, there's folks a lot, a lot younger than me, but my back hurt. Like, I'm like, I'm old, for, I'm in my mid, I'm old for this. I'm yeah. freezing my ass off in this helicopter in the middle of winter in Afghanistan. And I'm like, you know, this is getting a little much. So by the end of my career, you know, it, it, it was, it was getting time to kind of, kind of hang up the cleats because the fun stuff that I loved, you yeah. know, you know, I went in, you know, in the infill in Iraq in 03, I went in with, with the Navy SEALs. I was what a CIA officer assigned to them. Mm-hmm. Um, Afghanistan, you know, in, in February, March of what it was 2002, um, not one of the first teams in, but an early team in. So I was always doing something really fun and cool. Right. Yeah. In mid forties, I started breaking down my back hurt. Like I, I yeah. can't sleep. I know <laughs> I miss my kids. And so hmm. it was, it, it was okay. It was time to hang up, it was hang up the cleats. It's a younger person's yeah. younger person's <laughs> game. And so I was okay with it, but writing the book was huge for me, really therapeutic. Yeah. Good for you. It just, there's something about sharing your stories, right? And yeah. getting them out of your head and out of your body and onto paper that I think is really valuable. Given what you know about crisis and chaos and turmoil, what do you say to people or to someone listening to this who's not in your position, who's not on the front line, but is literally just trying to, to navigate what feels like a sea of the mixture of truth and untruth? Sure. Like a guy who doesn't even know what to base a decision upon. What would you speak to that man? So, you know, I think, you know, you have to obviously have your kind of your own kind of fundamental principles and ethics that, that you kind of abide by, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, and, and this is not making judgments on anyone, but, you know, being a good person, telling the truth, don't steal, don't lie, don't cheat, you know, treat your family well. You know, the the, the one thing that, that you know, I always wanted to, to do was be a, a good father mm-hmm. um, to my kids and, and, and a good husband to my wife you know, even though I was gone so much. And so you kind of have those kind of those principles. How do I kind of keep myself grounded in that? Because what, you know, and if you can find, and if, if people will have different, different things to kind of hook onto, but that's what I always tried to do um, because there was always, you know, so much chaos. Look, you're, you know, you can love your job, but it's not going to always love you back. Right. And so, you know, my book is a love affair. There's a lot, you know, people are like, wow, it's almost like a love affair with the CIA. I'm like, yeah, but I wasn't really right all the time because I was gone from my family a lot. So and then you leave and they don't really care anymore. And that's okay. You know, you pass the baton and torch on others, but you need to, I think you need to find kind of those, you know, two or three things in life that really matter to you. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and that's, and, and, and just kind of, you know, stay true and, and faithful to that. But then, the, you know, one of the key things for me is, is what I also thought about is who I wanted to be. And, and by the way, at the, if I, at, you know, I wrote the book at the, obviously the end of my career, when I retired, I was a great leader then. I was not a great leader, nor necessarily a great person or officer from the beginning of my career, like leadership is not, you don't, you're not born with this, you know, it's learned. And so here's what, here's what I would take one more message to kind of folks, the biggest character trait that I, that I didn't always have, but I certainly learned from screwing that screwing up pretty badly. And when I say that, I mean that seriously, you know, people died, um, it's humility. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the, uh, you know, the, the, the great people in our lives, I think are those who are humble. Um, that doesn't mean you're weak at all. Uh, it doesn't mean you're not a badass. It doesn't mean you can't do great things, but you know, don't, don't always kind of believe your own hype. Um, you know, treat people kindly and with, with respect. But I think that idea of, of humility is really important. And that's something that I, that I practiced at the end of my career, um, kind of putting your ego aside, uh, certainly not the beginning of my career. And, uh, but that's one of the reasons why I wanted to write the book is because I got good at something at the very end. Um, I just wanted to pass it on to, to others. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. I appreciate that. Humility goes a long way. Yeah. Mark, were you a writer or was this something that kind of came to you? Right. So, so here, here, what, what an awesome question because at CIA is, so, so my job at CIA was, was what's called an operations officer. So my job was to spot, assess, develop, recruit, and handle spies. That means that's a, that's the penetration of the Chinese government or the Iranian government or the Pakistani nuclear program or, 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 or the Russian presidential administration. 
Uh, and so it's a, it's a, it's, it's a, you know, my, I was always, I would always joke that it's, this is, this is kind of, this is not psychology 101, it's psych 501. I need to assess someone's motivations to convince them to spy for the United States, put their life at risk sometimes with, with, you know, there can be horrible consequences, but none of this matters if you can't put on paper what you're doing. And so you learn to be a very good writer because so, so if I recruit somebody or I'm handling an, an agent, you know, I was, a, I was a case officer, an agent is a foreigner who's fine for us. My job is to kind of dive into their motivations, personalities, what makes them tick, but I got to write it up in cable, in, a, in what we call a cable. So ultimately, the, the, you know, I've learned how to do two things. One is to, to write well, but also write succinctly and clearly. Mm. Um, you know, so in three or four pages, I have to get across what I did in an operational meeting, what this person is thinking. But you actually turn out to be a pretty damn good writer and not too wordy. And, you know, and, and, um, uh, and so that's what I translated when I, when I started writing. You know, a lot of folks ask me, like, you know, so, so was it hard writing a book? And I said, well, it wasn't. But remember, it's a nonfiction book. So I'm not writing fiction. Sure, um, sure. Uh, and, and, but, you know, I, I'm writing a book on leadership. I found it actually quite easy. I don't know if I could do a fiction book mm. um, where you have to, where it's much different, you know, how you tell your story. But I learned to be a good writer from just doing a hell of a lot of writing. Here's a, here's a great, great quote for you. Someone asked me, he's like, okay, you know, if you're going to be a Navy SEAL, you got to be able to swim and shoot, right? You're going to be a CIA case officer. What do you got to be able to do? And I'd say, type. Because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it, that, that, if, if I meet someone from the Chinese military who's going to give me the plans of the Chinese military to pass to, to the White House, I got to write the damn thing up. Yeah. If I don't yeah. write it up, it doesn't go anywhere. Right. So anyway, so, so typing, great skill to have. That's my, my son's always like, what should, I, what should I do to prepare myself for your kind of world? I'm like, you know, learn to type faster. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. He rolls, rolls his eyes at me. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> so, okay, now I but, got a couple questions. Sure. So <laughs> you and I have met. And you think I may be a good operator, uh, or whatever the word is. Spy. What are you? What are you looking for yeah. in me? And yeah. then, how do you convince someone to risk their life and immense pain or immense suffering to come onto your side? Walk right. me through a bit of that process, sure. if you would. No, that, and, and you know what is what is one hundred percent true is that not everybody is recruitable. Mm. You know, and so what I am looking for out of you is, you know, first of all, you know, what makes you tick. What are your motivations? You know, uh, you know, uh, are, are you someone who cares about money? Do you care about ideology? Um, uh, do you have maybe this is going to sound kind of crass? Are there do you have do you want your kids to go to college in the States or do you have sick relatives who need medical care mm-hmm. that you can't get where you're mm-hmm. coming from? Um, but ultimately, what I'm looking for is, is, you know, and then you translate those motivations into vulnerabilities. And so what I would do is I start talking to you about that now. In America, as an American, we're lucky because I don't have to sell the United States. Now, the U.S. has a shitload of problems right. going on right now. But you know what? Still, the, 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 the kind of fundamentals of political and economic freedom are really, uh, really sacrosanct. And people overseas still look at us. You know, we, so, so, you know, you can sit in, the, in your corner and scream, you know, I, I want everyone to take the vaccine. Or you scream, I don't want anyone to take the vaccine. Like, we have freedom of speech. It's good. Right. And, and same thing with economic freedom. You know, you know, uh, uh, you can come to the United States and make something of yourself in relation to other countries which don't have any of that. So already I have a selling point. Mm, okay. so I got this. And so ultimately, I'll start talking to you and, and, and seeing, you know, if, if you kind of share those those uh, those values and are there things that that you might need again, um, you know, financially vulnerable. Maybe you're not doing well in your job. And, and I would start talking to you over time. Now, I'm not going to ask you to spy right away. I'm sure. going to get to know you. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm gonna, how are you going to meet me? Like, are we that. bumping into so, each other at the bowling yeah. alley? Like, yeah. So, so it could be a diplomatic reception. It uh, could be that that if I'm in a country and I know you love ice hockey, mm-hmm. I'm going to go watch every ice hockey game there. You know, or oh, or you yeah. love bird watching, and then all of a sudden, this this you know this American embassy official, strangely enough, is at a bird watching event in the middle of China. I, mean, I don't know. You know, I'm making this right, up. Right, right, really. right. But we'll find <laughs> you. you know, we, 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 it's there's there's targeting that's done. Okay. Um, uh, uh, but ultimately, it's a, it's a, it's it's almost this, you know, it's almost like a, uh, you know, a, a romance. So over time, I'm going to get you know you more. I'm going to ask you questions, and at some point, I'm going to ask you something about your job that that you shouldn't tell me. So if you work in the Chinese Foreign Ministry, I'm going to be like, hey, you know, the U.S. President is visiting next week. We're really interested. My ambassador really is interested 
or, or, or my government back home wants to know what's going to be on the agenda. Like, what are you guys going to talk about? But, you know, I know you can't really tell me, but hey, or, or just whatever. Let's let's talk about it. I won't write it down. So maybe um, maybe you tell me. Right. And, and, and maybe, you know, and you watch for them to cross the line. So it's kind of this romance that, that goes on and it's an effective strategy. Every intelligence service in the world, I'm not giving you any secrets. Every intelligence service in the world does this. But ultimately, you get them to a point where they're crossing the line, providing you non-public information because you know that they want something in return. And so so maybe, you know, I'll be like, you know what, I got I got connections at Harvard. I can get your kid in. Um, and this and this official and your dream is to have your kid go to Harvard. Right. Um, and so it's stuff like that. And that's how we establish these relationships. And then ultimately, you have to meet them secretly. So the last piece is, are you suitable for what's called a clandestine relationship, which means we're never going to meet openly in a restaurant. We're going to meet in a dark corner somewhere. We're going to have to run what we call surveillance detection routes, you know, you know, elaborate routes where you make sure you're not being followed. Because ultimately, you know, sometimes the sanction and getting caught is, is you know, ain't so good for, right. <laughs> for you. And so I got to know, do you have what it takes to do that? Not everybody does. Mm. Some people will be like, I want to help, but I, I just, I'm too scared to do this. And you're like, you know what? Because by the way, I don't want that on my conscience. I've had agents killed. Right. Uh, when we push them too hard, I actually write about that in the book and it's pretty awful. I still remember those folks. And, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and so, so it, again, it's, it's a kind of an elaborate, you know, ballet that goes together, but it's, um, you're never going to get someone to do something that they don't want to do. I mean, that's, you know, I've never had someone say, boy, I wish I didn't do that. Mm. Um, uh, and so, so ultimately it's, and, and it's because of who we are, you know, and, and what our country represents. It's not, it's, you know, I, I never had to sell the United States. Right, right, right. Wow. It's, it's so fast. That's a lot there. I gave you a, a lot. To no, think no, about. no. It's fascinating. I'm so fascinated. Hope you guys are loving this conversation with Mark. I certainly did. Want to send you a quick reminder that my book, Man Uncivilized, is now on Amazon. We are getting it to where it can ship all over the world. Uh, right now, it's shipping free to Canada, I think to Mexico, and definitely here in the US. So if you haven't gotten yourself a copy or if you know a man who would love a copy, please head over to Amazon and get yourself one. All right, back to Mark. Mark, with, with what you know of the world and the, the, the intricacies and the games that are being played and the mind fuckery and all of it, this is, this, I, I'm just going to ask the question. I hope it comes sure. out right. Like, do you have faith or are we just like, is, are we just like a, a game of buddy fucking each other, but with like huge consequences? Do so, you have so, faith you know, in humanity? Uh, well, uh, that's, that's uh, now, now, now we can go talk to my, you know, I was going to say <laughs> strength <laughs> uh, the, the psychologist and psychiatrist at walter reed because i i, tell, I say this too i've seen a lot of bad stuff so yeah you know, you know so it's you know one of the things that you know i came back from iraq in 2003 with some bad ptsd because all i'd seen was dead bodies and mangled bodies everywhere a lot of that death and destruction i happen to have caused sure and so so you know th that's a lot to to kind of deal with and and I lived in the third world. I spent a lot of time living in the Middle East where you saw this extreme poverty yeah. um, uh, and, and awful human rights abuses. But, you know, uh, you know, I, I but and, and as an intelligence officer, often often you do see the world as with, you know, the glass is half empty, which is not sure. good. Not healthy. Sure. But but ultimately, I'll tell you why I still have faith. And, 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 and I have to kind of come back to this, not not as much as what's happening overseas, which is always screwed up, but also what's happening inside in our country, not to make political statements, but just the, 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 the divisions. But sure. I still believe in American exceptionalism, mm -hmm. um, again, because of that political and economic freedoms that we enjoy here. That that is just not, um, uh, you know, prevalent all over the world. It's just not. And so, um, you know, there used to be the old uh, saying, I guess, John F. Kennedy talked about America as this, the, the shining city on the hill. Mm -hmm. And I still believe that's true. And it's not always easy and it's messy sometimes. Sure. Um, uh, but, but, you know, one of the things that, that I, that I, I do look to, you know, kind of the concept of, of, you know, relative to somewhere else and, and all the places I live where there was really awful autocratic leaders and, and, you know, uh, uh, you know, terrible economic systems and awful poverty and, and, and repression, you know, political repression. The fact of the matter is while we have problems here in the U S we don't have that. And, uh, and we should kind of celebrate that now. Now, if you want to tell me you want to go live in France, that's fine too. I mean, sure, no, sure. You know, I'm, I'm talking kind of just about Western ideals and of, of economic and political freedom. But, um, you know, I, it's, it's, you know, sometimes it's hard to keep a positive attitude, but, yeah. but you, you know, just in, in, in my world, just with everything I've seen, um, I've, I've seen a, a lot of really bad stuff. And so I try to kind of keep that in mind. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. If we, if we look at the U.S. and I, I would love for you to almost diagnose 
the division that we're seeing and because I feel it and, and but yet I also feel it more on social media than I do yeah. walking down, you know, if I walk down the street in Denver, people smile and say hi and people Absolutely, of all races yeah. and creeds and, and all the things and then hop on social media and think, oh my God, we're like one weekend yeah. away from civil war. That's right. Yeah. Would you mind diagnosing just some of what you're seeing here in the U.S. right now? Sure. So, so I, I mean, social media has, you know, it, so look, I have a Twitter account. I, I get on Twitter and I, my Twitter account's nuts. Sure. I'll talk about politics. I'll talk about leadership stuff, mostly leadership stuff. But I'm also a huge Boston Red Sox fan. So I talk Red Sox stuff. And then I'll talk about dive bars. I mean, I'm, I'm all over the place. Sure. sure, sure. Um, uh, 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 once again, the, the doctors at Walter Reed tell me no, no drinking allowed. But then I fight <laughs> with them. I said, let me just have a big ultra light, whatever the hell it is, water. But, 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 you know, but social media is, is, you know, is, I, I think can be pretty harmful because it just is this kind of freeing mechanism where people, I look, I, I, I would never say to you, to your face, what I would say to you, you know, in, in a tweet back at something you said, that's sure. just not. And so, so it can be, it can be pretty harmful. Um, but you know, the, the, you know, where, where I, where I take solace, it's something exactly as you said. So I live in, in Northern Virginia. I have friends who are extreme liberals and extreme conservatives. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, we kind of make an agreement not to talk about this stuff and we'll go watch high school baseball or something. or we'll go have a beer, or go to the rest and it can work. And so, you know, that that's okay. Yeah. Um, and so, but, but social media, it just plays such kind of this toxic, you know, toxic role. I mean, yeah. you know, I, I also live in the nation's capital. So like, you know, so I, there's congressmen and senators from both parties who live in my neighborhood. Sure. And, and, and I'm not going to name names, but there was one senator and there was, you know, he lives like, you know, around the corner and there's some protests outside his house. Yeah. Now, I think the senator, by the way, is an asshole. Sure. But I'm like, I'm like, get the fuck away from his house. Like, what are you guys doing? Right. Leave right. him alone. Right. For God's sakes. Leave him and his family alone. Like, he's right. a jerk. But so what? He probably thinks I'm a jerk, too. You know, so right. I don't know. I just I, I, I think that, you know, if, if one can free yourself from social media, it's a great thing mm. or like restrict it to like sports. Sure. sure, <laughs> sure, sure. You know, yeah. Um, it can be so toxic and 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 angry and um, I don't know. It just it's so unhealthy. If you if you can go on a vacation, I think I bet you've done this. I know you've done this. I think is uh, and just and and ditch your your phone and your Twitter account and all that kind of stuff. That is liberating. Oh my yeah. god. Yeah. Would you say that is the key divisive tool right now in the U.S.? Oh, there's no doubt. Okay. And, and I'll tell you why I know this is because again, this is my career as an intelligence officer. One of the things, and again, not making a statement on on 2016 uh, 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 elections, and we'll get we'll go down a terrible rabbit hole on this. But sure. we, you know, the, the Russians did manipulate social media accounts, and so so, and I was there because I was an intelligence officer. So you know, they would, you know, they created fake personas to kind of rile people up about Second Amendment stuff and Black Lives Matters mm -hmm. and all these really divisive issues in America, and people go crazy as they're as they're as they're whipping everybody up. Well. If you didn't have any of that, right. maybe we wouldn't have these, you know, you know, the the, the level of, of of toxicity and, and division. Yeah. Um, and so, so I think that, you know, I mean, there's there's a really interesting debate on, you know, about Facebook now. Sure. Um, right. Now everybody has a goddamn Facebook account. I mean, right. you don't. I don't know, but right. I, I I stopped using it just because I just didn't feel like you know posting every every you know time yeah. I they smiled at me. Um, but uh, but it's really interesting to see what kind of big tech and Facebook and how dominant they are in our lives. Yeah, uh, you know, and, and that's that's a kind of an interesting debate. But sure. I'll tell you that that you know the, one of the one of the, the there's nothing cool about the pandemic, but one of the interesting things is just the the the, the rise of not going to work anymore, remote work. Mm -hmm. And so I, you know, and of course I'm Greek background. I saw friends of mine, you know, literally move to the Greek islands. They're like, hey, I'm yeah. here on my laptop, um, yeah. you know, working remotely. They were pretty damn happy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so they kind of disassociated themselves from all this. Maybe they were still on social media, but they were able to work remotely away from kind of all this craziness sitting on a Greek island. I kind of I admire them for that. Yeah, I, we saw it everywhere. Right? Yeah. I, I live in the woods here in Evergreen um, right. in Colorado for the same reason. I'm curious in your opinion, though, I, and I think that's a great benefit, uh, yet it creates it creates rapid social change. Yeah. And we as a culture don't seem to handle rapid social change that well. Does, does what about the pandemic and, and not we're going to take like all biology and throw it out the window for right. this conversation. What about the social cultural aspect of the pandemic scares you or yeah. scared you, if anything, and what gave you hope? So what scared me and still does is the effect on my kids. So both of my kids were in college. 
But all of a sudden, you know, uh, they're literally, as we're paying money for them to be in college, they're not even going to class. Right. They're sitting in their dorm on, doing online classes as I'm paying, you know, X of tens of thousands of dollars. Sure, 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 sure. Have them go to school. But, but, you know, I don't care about the money. It's more of they miss that socialization part of it. Now, so, and, and, and both of them were affected. And, you know, here, here's the other thing that I find really interesting. And I, it's not a sign of weakness. It's, you know, it's, it's okay to talk about this. Like, I get I get together with again with 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 my boys and we're having a beer. So I always talk about the Vienna Inn in my book. The Vienna Inn is a dive bar in Northern Virginia. It's a famous CIA hangout. So if you read my book, it's it's all over there. But so I'm there with my boys, you know, you know, sitting there, uh, you know, uh, uh, having a beer or not, or a coffee or breakfast doesn't have to uh, be anything. And 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 you slowly start moving towards your kids, and then finally at some point, everyone's like, our kids are are, are screwed up from this mm. because they they need that socialization. And even in college, it's of course they do growing up. Younger kids definitely need this, but yeah, none of our kids were particularly happy during this. And so so I think the effect on on not only you know small children but also you know college age kids is pretty profound. And and they're a hell of a lot happier now um, yeah. as they're as they're as they're back in school. But so that's what really. That's really scared me. What gave me hope? Um, you know, look, um, I, I, my whole, my, you know, for 26 years, I was involved in public service. And so that's what I did. And so when I see what first responders, what doctors, what firefighters, paramedics, police officers, you know, have done in helping people during this is extraordinary. My stepbrother is an ER doc in, in, uh, uh, lives in Brooklyn, New York. I mean, that was ground zero. He had tens of patients every night dying on him. Right. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and, and as, as, as people have, very incorrectly said to me, you know, Mark, thank you for your service. You were a hero going off to Iraq and Afghanistan. I say, stop that. I was doing my job, but I consider my stepbrother a hero for, for being on the front lines of the pandemic. Um, and so that kind of stuff gave me hope that people, you know, and, and again, so much of this became politicized and a mess, but there were a lot of people in our country who really kind of every day, you know, walked into the lines then. I mean, you know, a, a, an ER in New York city during COVID, if you're, if you're a doctor or a nurse, you know, you, 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 I, my, my, my stepbrother didn't kiss his family goodbye. His family, he moved him out to Long Island, mm-hmm. be out of the city because it was just too dangerous with COVID was, was spreading so much. So right. I think that's it's pretty remarkable um, what people uh, did. And, um, you know, there's always a silver lining. That to me is is certainly one of them. Yeah, that's selflessness. I completely I mean, that's, agree you know, with you. Of selflessness. Yeah. And it's the stories that you just don't hear of the ER nurse who's like, you know what, I, I'm going to work. I just, I'm terrified oh, and yeah. I'm going to work. And I'm, yep. Yeah. I appreciate you saying that. Yeah. Mark, are we ever going to get along countries? <laughs> like, right. or is there no. ever going to be this? No, there, is there no. this utopia or? No, that's uh, no, no, absolutely not. Look, so, so, and that's something, <laughs> well, that's okay. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, why do we all love Game of Thrones? I mean, I don't know, you know, all these, it's, it, you know, or, or people read Sun sure. Tzu, you know, The Art of War. I mean, Look, you know, you know, the, you know, in 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 international relations, you know, there's always been this, you know, great power competition, and and, um, you know, we have allies, we have, you know, uh, obviously adversaries, um, lots of stuff in between, but, uh, you know, fortunately, you know, it's it's a little bit different than you know the the you know uh, you know the, the medieval times where where it was just kind of kingdoms sure. with no set ideology, I and mean, one of the great things about the United States again is is both you know our, our concepts of political and economic freedom um but ultimately you know it, you know we always are going to have uh, uh adversaries which is why being in the intelligence service you know you know we always called ourselves you know rightfully so that's the nation's first line of defense great um so you know obviously if if, if our if our intelligence officers are doing the right job um we don't want to resort to military force i mean war is a last resort it's not pretty it's not fun and i've experienced it yeah. Um, and so, uh, uh, but, but, you know, make no, uh, look, what's the, the, you know, what the espionage is the second oldest profession. What's the first oldest profession? Prostitution. Exactly. So, <laughs> so, you know, we're always on the front line. Um, so no, we're not going to, you know, the, the, the world will always be kind of a messy place. That's yeah. okay. You accept it. It doesn't mean you can't try to do, do things to make the world a better place. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and in times of peace, that's a very good thing. But you know what? Uh, you know the the world. If the world were made up of, you know, in generally, in general, democracies don't go to war with each other. That's just a fundamental tenet of international relations. Well, guess what? Russia and China, and Iran and North Korea are not democracies. Right. Right. So we're kind of stuck with them. Uh, those are those are our adversaries, and uh, and that's what we got to deal with. Yeah. Are Are you allowed to answer this question of sure. who do you think, country wise, is our biggest threat? 
Oh, sure, of course. Um, you know, wh- th- let me just say one of the things that has been really enlightening to me, interesting, but but certainly helpful is that that you know the CIS is something called the Publications Review Board. So it's for folks like me who are retired and want to write. So everything I say, everything I write, not I say, but everything I write, I, I send through their lack of a better term, their censors. Sure. But it's really easy. They don't cut anything out. I have a very good sense of what I can talk about and not. Yeah. So everything I'm saying today is, is certainly, you know, in that realm of being cleared. Um, but yeah, no. So, you know, the way I look at the world is, that, you know, China is our greatest, greatest strategic threat, long-term strategic threat. There's no doubt about it. Um, uh, because, say, sorry? Because? Because they're turning into a, 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 an economic powerhouse. So first of all, because they're economic power, um, but also they're building a you know a pretty substantial military. Um, so it's the combination of of of, uh, of of economic and military power that they're going to be a huge challenge. Uh, and, and 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 President Xi, the, the Chinese announced this. They tell us they're do- that they're going to do this. Sure. Um, and and I think that that there's there's a uh, an understanding across the aisle, both Republicans and Democrats, that everyone agrees that China is the longest uh, uh, there's the long term strategic threat. And then. And in a shorter term, you know, Russia is a is a huge pain in our ass mm-hmm. on a variety of issues across the board. Obviously, you know, uh, you know, the Iranians are trying to pursue a nuclear weapon that would be incredibly destabilizing. Same thing with North Korea. Sure. Um, but if you look at it in the way the U.S. is kind of, you know, moving away for after 20 years of counterterrorism operations, it's really a, a move towards Asia, okay. uh, uh, towards towards China as the as the big threat. So the best thing, the best way to answer this is I, I get I, I talk to college students all the time. Um. It's, and, and that's really fun and inspiring for me because that's the next generation. Um, and and everyone's like, what do I study? You know, what class do I need to take? And I'd be like, I don't care. They're like, no, no, no. Like, seriously, I'm like, doesn't matter. What should I do? And I say two things. I said, stop smoking weed your senior year because you can't do that anymore. If you do it your sophomore, freshman and sophomore year, you're fine. Yeah. You know, senior year, they don't like that. But number two, learn Chinese. and Learn a hard target language. But if you really want to get your name at the top of the pile, Mm-hmm. Um, to, to join the national security establishment, and learn Chinese because that that is the long term uh, strategic threat. And if you put that time in, um, you can you can graduate in any major you want, and you can you know. Uh, so so this is this is now you're getting the raw me like yeah, yeah. Learn Chinese and stop smoking weed your senior year. And there you go. Out. Like the CIA would be like, what is he talking about? <laughs> I think I may name this podcast too after the professions. He's going to call it "Spies and Hookers" with Mark. That's right. <laughs> and, and by the way, and one of the funny things when I say this, everyone's like, everyone's like, "Well, well, you know, how do you know? You know, you know the college college kids are smoking weed." I'm like, "Are you kidding me? Everybody's smoking weed." Yeah, seriously. It's, you know, <laughs> it's like, what, what what planet do you think? Like, yes. my, my friends are like, oh, "Well, I don't I don't think my kid is." I'm like, "All right, whatever." Yeah, sure, sure, sure. You're, he's the only one. Uh, yeah. Let, let me ask you one last question, if I can. And this is, I'm going to stumble through the wording. Sure. But I imagine that you have seen and had access to extraordinarily powerful men. Yep. Extraordinarily powerful, corrupt men. Yes. Speaking to men, because that's the bulk of this audience. Absolutely. How do you see men gaining power and avoiding the trap of corruption? So what, what an awesome question. And it's such an easy answer on this. It has to do with ego. Um, and so, so ego to me, so, and, and, I, and I'll tell you this, because I joined the CIA and, and so you were taught to be on the tip of the spear. So I go through, you know, training to become an operations officer. So I, as I talked about, so I went through a year of language training, two years of language training, learning Arabic, but a year of tradecraft training. And then you're sent off and you're supposed to be the biggest badass of all time. Um, and, and, you know, you're taught you're something special. And so you have this big, you know, this big ego. But then all of a sudden, at, at some point in your career, and it happens in, in, in you know, in, 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 in many professions, you're then, uh, uh, or you've, you've taken that step to become a leader. And guess what? You have to kind of, you know, put your ego aside and, and you are judged not about yourself, about how others uh, uh, are doing under you. So the great leaders understand that. Um, they make mistakes, they own it, they don't pass it off to others, but the poor leaders don't. And so that's when I see, and, and by the way, you're 100% right. It happens with men all the time mm-hmm. is I've been a badass my whole life. And so now I'm running all these, uh, you know, all these, uh, I have all these folks under me, but I'm still going to be kind of be an asshole to them because mm-hmm. I know more, except what you should do is, you know, put your ego aside and say, you know what, my team, I'm going to be successful as a leader. If I have, if I have 10, 10 guys under me who actually are smarter than me, how about that? What if they know more than I do? What if they're better than me? I'm right. still their leader. Right. And what if every day I ask them, instead of telling them what to do, I ask them, what do you think we should do? Yeah. That's not showing weakness. That's smart. 
Right. And so it's, it's, and so, you know, great leaders that I saw great male leaders, put their egos aside, which is not easy to do when you're taught the first half of your career that you're the baddest dude on the whole planet. Right, right. Hey, president wants us there. Hey, we're going, let's go mm-hmm. saddle up. And so that to me has to do with the simple fact of, of, of kind of managing your ego. And, and once you get past that, it's pretty liberating. I'm like, Holy crap. I got a whole bunch of smart dudes here. Like they're yeah. better. Than- I love and, it. And you know, that's good. Then, then, you know what I say? I tell my fellow leader, in the field, I don't say that I'm smarter than you. I'm like, hey, I, my team's better than yours. Right. What a liberating statement to make. Right, right, right. right you know. Awesome. I really appreciate that answer. Thank yeah. you. Mark, for people who are interested in, in following you on Twitter, for getting sure. your book, or just getting more of you and your knowledge, where are you hanging out and where can people uh, where can people find you? So on Twitter, I'm at, it's, it's at M Polymer. Um, and, you know, beware, because I'm all over the place. So I'll, 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 I will say anything on it. I mean, Harper Collins, the publisher, is like, oh my God, stop tweeting. I can't help myself. <laughs> um, but but yeah, so but you know, but people have said to me, hey, you're genuine, you're authentic. So I'm just gonna keep going. But so it's at M Polymer. And then uh the the book landing page is clarityincrisisbook.com. Beautiful. Um, but again, the, the the title of the book is Clarity in Crisis, Leadership Lessons from the CIA. It's on Amazon. I I, I would love if folks, you know, obviously bought it. One of the things that I do is that, you know, and, and please review it on Amazon, but then people write me DMs all the time um, or emails or call on the phone. And I, I'm actually crazy accessible. So people, you know, I'll, I'll be like, yeah, what do you want to talk about? Someone, someone wrote me something the other day. It's like, I didn't like your book. I was disappointed. And I was like, and on Twitter, I'm like, all right, tell, I, I wrote it back. Tell me about it. Why? I'm interested. Yeah. yeah. I'm not, I'm nothing special on that. So, um, uh, but, and, and then what I am actually doing, and it'll be coming out in the next probably by December 1st, I'm going to break into the leadership um, uh, kind of space with uh, some college sports teams, college baseball teams. So I'll have a new website up, oh, but, cool. but I will put that out over my sport, uh, over my Twitter account. But what I want to do is kind of take this whole genre, all the leadership stuff yeah. um, that I'm doing to, to college baseball. Uh, my son plays college baseball now. So that's kind of my, my thing. And, and there's so many parallels between baseball and the CIA and um, uh, just in terms of overcoming adversity um, and, and there's one, one thing I got to leave you with sure. one of my principles. This is important because it's called what it's called the glue guy. Mm-hmm. So the glue guy principle for me, number one principle in my book, but it's, it's about celebrating that those indispensable members of your team who are not necessarily your door kickers, not at the tip of the spear. And so, so as a leader, you have to, you have to always celebrate these individuals. Well, first of all, you have to identify them, celebrate yeah. them, and then involve them in everything you do in your planning. But it's called the glue guy. And I gave this to a, a football team one time, you know, quarterback playing division one football. And I'm like, his name is Rye. I said, Rye, who are your glue guys? And he looked over at the table of offensive linemen who get no credit and they all start cheering. So that's the kind of thing. It's identifying um, you, who your indispensable members of your team. And, and that's how you succeed as a leader. Yeah. Um, but even you think about that, even in life, I mean, imagine, so you can go back now, people who are involved in making this show, right? you know, uh, uh, and, and you get some award and you get some accolades. Well, it'd be a really good thing to, you know, pass that on. Mm-hmm. Um, it takes about five seconds to do, uh, right. but it's so important. So that's the glue guy principle. That's what I want, I want to pass on to the audience. Brilliant. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing this. Awesome. And, I, and I know you may turn it down, but thank you so much for your service as well. It oh, no, thank you. Thanks. I appreciate it. Thanks. So glad to have you on, brother. Cheers. Awesome. Thanks. This is Trevor Bohm signing off on another episode of the Uncivilized Podcast. If you enjoyed this, please give us a share. Give us a five-star rating on iTunes. And if you're interested in getting a hold of my book, man uncivilized whether you're a man or a woman please go to www.manuncivilized.com forward slash the book and get reading